Welcome to the House of Lee NYC. Come on in, meet regular folks doing interesting things, and get tips for resourceful living. Hi, I'm Lee. Thank you for stopping by. In today's episode, we are going to learn how to tell a story and how to tell a story better from guest Shannon Kaysen. The reason you want to learn how to tell a story is because so many benefits are derived from it. Time.com in a recent article says that storytelling helps teach cooperation and gives an increased likelihood of finding a partner, you know, because storytellers are more popular (laughs) than the rest of us. And the other reason is it's just, it's plain fun to be able to tell a good story or to tell a story well. Wouldn't you agree? And if you have thoughts and ideas about how to tell a story, please do send me a message. Either leave one at houseofleenyc.com or follow me at houseofleenyc and leave a message. Shannon and I have been trying to meet up since July to do this episode, so I'm really excited that we were able to do it. He is from Detroit and he stopped by because he was in town and so So let's listen in. Welcome. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Now, the thing you need to know about Shannon is that he is a professional storyteller and a successful podcaster with two podcasts, Homemade Stories and The Trouble. You may even hear him on WBEZ in Chicago. That's their public radio station. It's fantastic. And as you know, I'm originally from Chicago, so this interview is dear to my heart. (laughs) Shannon is also a husband and father, so he's going to share tips with us for the Practy Mama NYC show later, so you'll have to tune into that. And today, Shannon is going to share with us tips on how to tell a story, whether you're presenting, whether you're at a dinner party, whether you're just nervous and you want to get better at it, or maybe you just want to be able to share something about yourself with others. So Shannon, what do you say to the person who would like to tell a story or two, but they just don't know how to get started? Well, I think, you know, a lot of times people, they have troubles telling stories because they think they may not have anything interesting to say. You know, and I think we all have something interesting to say because we're all unique in our own ways. And sometimes they think it's the boisterous person who tells the best stories or the person who you know, was skydiving last week or something like that. But average everyday stories are the best stories to me. And that's what I really derive. A lot of my storytelling stories is from everyday life. Can you give us an example to be able to help that person in the right direction? Well, the one thing is um, one of my favorite stories is talking about me and my daughter just enjoying the day. I'm from Detroit and just enjoying the day walking around Detroit. And I tell that story, I told that story on stages with, with with thousands of people in the audience, but I tell it just from the sense of what happens every day. And people can relate to it because we all know walking around either with our parents or walking around with our children and enjoying a day and the wonder that that can bring and the relationship that it 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 is just time of love. That's some some of the most perfect days of our life is just spending time with the ones we love. And nothing may have happened extraordinary, but it was extraordinary in the sense that we had this time together. So that's 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 what I look for in the example of stories of everyday life. 
You can hear Shannon's story about hanging out with his daughter in episode 98, A Perfect Day, on his podcast, Homemade Stories. And so to make it a little easier for people, what would you start with? How would you suggest that someone begin with a moment in a life, uh, a, a moment in an afternoon with a loved one? So, okay, so tips for storytelling, I would say. A number one tip that I think of is slow down. Sometimes every thought comes to you all at once. And it's best just to slow down, process, and then be able to share. And it's been, I mean, I share that tip in some of the best stories. Like I, I shared that tip online once, and I remember Ophira Eisenberg said, I write slow down on all of my notes. And Ophira Eisenberg, she's a, you know, really popular storyteller, comedian, runs an NPR show called Ask Me Another. She even has to remind herself to slow down. And I think that that's one of the biggest things because sometimes people have a have a unction to tell a story, but they they just trying to blurt out everything at once. And, and it's okay to breathe. Everybody's still listening and share your story. So what does that look like to slow down? Can you give a before and an after? Yeah, like, okay, today I went to, to this place and that place and this place and that place, you know, because I did do that today. I right. went to a lot of different places. <laughs> so just slow down and process it. I met up with a friend. We went to Red Rooster, and it was a 45-minute a wait. And it was the funniest thing because I'm there with a friend who's here from California and we ran into a guy who just walked into the bar and he writes children's books. And we had this long conversation about children's books and, you know, just kind of slowing down, letting every moment be a scene instead of 20,000 scenes all at once. You know, pick your scenes, create the story from picking certain scenes and developing those scenes instead of trying to throw everything and the kitchen sink within the story. Develop your own scenes, find your scenes. And it sounds as though as you're relating this story just now, you have a certain pace. Yeah. Where does that come from and how do you how how do people get to know about pacing? Okay, so one of the things like storytelling, like I do it on stages and on paper and on podcasts. For me, I've always been a slow talker. I've always been that. They called me slow motion in high school because I would do everything slow, you know. And the thing is, people have to find and work within their personality. When I say slow down, I mean slow down the processing. Think about the person listening so they can understand what you're delivering. Now, some people's personality is faster. They are speedier. They, they talk faster. So even knowing slow down, it may be a thousand times faster than me as a speaker, but then processing it and being able to, the person who's understanding it, being able to listen and understand. So when I think of slow down, I'm thinking of that more so than I'm thinking of becoming me. You know, become yourself, be the best you. And that's what I always look at as far as storytellers, new storytellers coming into storytelling. I say work within your personality. Don't become 
another person, you know, work within your personality because it's a lot of storytelling that happens where you can just move person A and put person B there and there's no unique quality. But the unique quality is within personality. So find your personality, but polish your personality and slowing down is one of the one of the methods of polishing. So um, I'm I'm what you mentioned. I <laughs> I am not a slow talker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, 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 you ten on personality. You get what I'm saying? Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how do we teach people, or what would you say to the person who wants to become a, a better storyteller? You're saying slow down with the mm-hmm. process, mm-hmm. pacing, and now you're saying be the best you you can be, and that's fantastic advice. Mm-hmm. Where should that person begin as an exercise or a thought or an idea? Can you take us through some things that you used to become the level of storyteller that you are now? Well, the thing is, okay, with anything, you wouldn't tell a person, you was talking earlier about riding bikes. You're not going to ride a bike your first time. You're going to, you, you need help. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so the thing is through, through practice, I started telling stories of listening to my dad tell stories. He was a a salesman and I would follow behind him with his briefcase and he would be, you know, wowing people with his stories of what happened in the neighborhood and, and all these things about whatever he was selling. So I saw and observed for a lot of my life. But then I thought I had stories that need to be heard. So I started by writing. I was writing a lot of stories. I was off work and, and um, just started writing and really fell in love with the writing process. And that's when I found in Chicago, I was living in Chicago at the time, that people would go on stage and tell stories. So I started going on stage and telling stories. Now, over time, I developed a voice. you know, And that's the thing with anything with comedy, with improv, with acting. Over time, people develop a voice. They develop a style that's their own. So it's through the practice over time. So I, was, I, would, I would encourage a person to jump in because you're not going to be what you are going to be the first time. You're not going to ride the bike perfectly the first time. No. <laughs> After about the hundredth time, you're better. But you still continue going and developing to the point where you ride with no hands, you're popping willies, you're jumping over cliffs and all these kind of things. You know, you get what I'm saying? So depending on what level you want to go to. For me with storytelling, I wanted to get into uh, keynote speaking. I wanted to get into uh, instructing. I wanted to get into other things that were beyond just telling a good story at a at a at a um, you know dinner party or something like that. But it's all levels, so it depends on where you want to go. You know, if you want to just be a good storyteller at the dinner party, which is great storytellers at dinner parties, it's just being able to mesmerize the people who are at the table. But then if you want to tell it at, um, with audiences of hundreds, you know, thousands of people and talking to hundreds of thousands of people on podcast or radio or different things like that, you know, it's developing it further from there. So, but, but, the, but the main component of that is practice, and getting in front of people practicing because there's no audience like 
other people. You can talk into the mirror as long as you want to. The mirror won't, you won't bomb in front of a mirror. You will bomb in front of people. (laughs) Right, right. right. (laughs) And you know, on that note, I find that when I'm practicing for a talk, I go in front of my friends and people who don't know anything about my subject matter because I feel that sometimes it's harder to speak in front of your friends than strangers. What do you think? A thousand times harder. I don't invite friends and family to my events because if I fail miserably... I don't want a family or friend to be there. And then that might be the only time they ever come to a thing, too. Right. And they only saw the one where you like last week I, w- I was I killed last week. Everybody was, you know, so I don't sometimes I don't I, I've loosened that now over time, you know, but early on, I would not let my wife come to any of my events because I didn't want my wife to see her husband just bombing on stage, you know, so so I'm just being real. So after a while and when I felt more comfortable, so practice. Practice in front of family and friends is it is hard. I will give you that. But then, like in cities like New York, Chicago, certain cities, and it's either organizations where you can practice things in front of people who aren't like you're not going to uh, you don't have that high the high high relationship with like family or friends. Like Toastmasters is one. A lot of people get involved in Toastmasters, but you can become. You can't become overwhelmed with the Toastmaster philosophy. I, I I think it's better for like just the practice part, and, and you learn a lot. But then you have to develop your own unique style. And sometimes, if a style or a formula is given to you, it's hard to develop your own unique style. But practicing in front of people, like at the Toastmasters meetings or at an open mic, or I even go to the moth and I'll practice stories. Yeah, I know we're supposed to be competing, and I, but I'm actually working on a story that I'm going to do at a keynote, and I just share it at the moth just for, as a as a practice opportunity. So, you got you find your spaces. There's coffee shops that do open mics. There's all kind of things, especially in a city like New York. You can practice so many storytelling nights here. Wow, you guys got got a <laughs> plenty of them. So. I'm I'm thinking of also the listener who is maybe not in a major city. And would you say that working up to, say, a friend, a group dinner party is a good first step? Or would you recommend something else first to work up to for the person who is like, oh, I really want to do this, but I'm nervous or whatever reason is just not uh, confident in his or her storytelling ability? I think one of the things, think about your story. Like everybody wants to share a story. Everybody wants to mesmerize the room and tell a story. It's, it's just one of them things of we watch it, we've seen it, we love it. You know, when 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 somebody who in our family, like Uncle Uncle Nate comes to the house, when you love Uncle Nate when he comes to the house because he's going to tell a story eventually after that third glass of eggnog or whatever. You know, <laughs> right, you know? right. So I would say, and Uncle Nate's been telling that story over 30 years, you know, he tells it everywhere. Like my dad, when I would go out with my dad on his business um, like meetings or whatever, he would tell the same story over and over and over and over. That's how it works. You practice it and you tell it. So I would say the person at the dinner party is going to be a first time for anything. But if you have developed the story, you don't need to memorize it. Just think about the beats of the story. And by beats, I mean like the scenes like the scenes in the story. I went to Red Rooster and then my we had dinner and we met up with friends. 
And the next beat might be we went to the Apollo Theater to watch a show and what happened within the show. And the last beat might be, you know, finding the right train to go to. So just finding your beats and staying within that instead of the kitchen sink, you know, it's making decisions within storytelling to be able to, and that's why Uncle Nate is so good when he comes to the house because he keeps it on target and then things that he goes off on, he, 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 he knows that it's going to add to the story. Everything has to add to the story in some way, you know, but you have to start somewhere. And over time, if you keep telling that story, it'll get better and better and better. Exactly. And I just have to let you all know that we are recording and in the hallway, you might hear the neighbor's dog yapping. (laughs) (laughs) It's podcasting. (laughs) This is what it is. Right? And just a moment ago, my heater kicked on, (laughs) the radiator heat, old New York City apartment. That's, that's the life. <laughs> but Shannon came to my house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. We just had some chicken and ribs, actually. Oh, your hot sauce. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. That hot sauce is one of the best I've ever had. Thank you for my little jar to take home. I appreciate it. Oh, thank I, pre- you. I love hot sauce. Like I, It's funny. I got to put hot, a little hot sauce on pretty much anything you and know so i try you. to find the best ones that's not like super sodium and i'm gonna be you know totally yes. dried up afterwards or something so that that one's good he he did he put hot sauce just like i did he put my <laughs> hot sauce <laughs> on his chicken on his ribs on his sweet plantains on my plantains i put and, the hot sauce on that and put a little his in my salad. water <laughs> now I'm drinking hot sauce water right now. You know? I'm honored that you ate my hot sauce. That is good stuff. Good <laughs> Thank stuff. you. So let me know. Why don't you all, if you're listening to this, you have questions about storytelling or sharing your thoughts about how you began your storytelling. And if you like hot sauce and if I should do <laughs> an episode on how to make hot sauce. But now, Shannon, let's move on to the next level. of speaking and storytelling. What is the difference between telling a story for a run-of-the-mill presentation versus a keynote? Well, I mean, keynotes, you... You, okay, so like uh, if I'm just telling a story, many times it's, um, say it's a show that I have to tell a story. Now, they have invited me to this show to tell a story because they like my unique personality or my way I tell the way I tell stories. So if the theme is say I got a show coming up for Valentine's Day. So I'm going to tell a a Valentine um, theme story. So I'm looking for stories that fit in the Valentine's theme and they know me as a storyteller. So I'm telling a story within my style. But then for a keynote also staying within my style, but it's an organization. So say it's a uh, marketing organization or say it's a, uh, um, who else I've done? A podcast movement. I'm doing a podcast um, keynote. So in the keynote side, I'm thinking about the audience. I'm thinking about what fits for the audience, what fits for the organization, because hopefully they're paying you a lot of money to do it. And you um, that's the goal, right? Yeah, That's the goal. <laughs> that, you, you're doing You're not trying to take it to another level just for to put it on your business card. You want to actually <laughs> <laughs> make some money doing it as well. So but you think about the audience, you think about the organization and you also think about the takeaways. So. 
it's things that people are paying, you know, uh, good money to come to a keynote or to a conference to be a part of. And they want to have some takeaways, some things that they can actually go home and do to improve their career, improve their life, whatever the theme of the of the conference is. So you think on those things and, and, and try to try your best to, to succeed at it and, and to be the best at it, you know, because um, obviously people have value your time, they value your your experience, and that's what you want to deliver at, at, at those kind of uh, presentations. And when you say takeaways, when you first said it in my mind, I was like, oh, you have takeaways? What are your takeaways from being a keynote speaker? And what you're saying is that as the keynote speaker, you want to offer takeaways to the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that they can um, they can actually go back and say, okay, I want to improve my my podcasting by setting up a small podcast studio in my house and invite people over to improve my interviewing skills. And, you know, they learn something that they can do. And then a lot of people just want permission to do it. You know, they want somebody to tell them to do it because they've been thinking about doing it. And they're like, oh, I got to get a big studio. And you're telling them, no, you don't. You get two microphones and you set up a little thing with with uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't give away the magic. <laughs> with all the stuff, and you, you you invite people by your house and yes. say, "Hey, let's let's do it." And then over time, you know, it improves and it, it goes from from one spot to the next. But these are the moments that's that's like the most lovely moments. The journey, you know, the yes. journey is the most. I mean, that's the fun of it. I had a little thirty dollar microphone that I bought from Micro Center on Elston in Chicago. Oh, and I you remember know what I'm talking Micro about. Center. Yeah, I love yeah. Micro Center. I set my little microphone up and I broke the stand <gasps> and I had to tape it to a, 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 a coffee can. So I put it on a coffee can and I would do my stories. And eventually on that little microphone, I was doing NPR stories. I was doing all kinds of things and eventually being able to get better mics and move into like a, a, a room, a, move out of the closet <laughs> into a, actually your wife let you take over a full room. Wow. <laughs> of the house, you know, and become your, your studio in the house and being able to do your show out of your little room in the studio in your house. I've so, seen your room. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And and I've seen that coffee can microphone set mm-hmm. up. And, and that that's a perfect example for anyone listening that you don't need a lot to get started in anything. No. Just think of Shannon and his coffee can microphone Jimmy rig setup. And I think you had a sock on top of that, right? Yeah, it was, my, my pop filter was a, was a tube sock. <laughs> <laughs> it was clean. It was clean. It was clean. It was freshly washed, but exactly. it was a tube sock. Yeah. And it all started with a story. And that's, that's, yeah, started writing stories and sharing them and, and people took interest in them. So that's one of the things, you know, um, just starting and then having people listening because you want to be heard. You know, you, there's so many methods to get things out now. You have so many different methods. I mean, I don't even watch network TV as much as I watch probably some independent YouTuber. I watch it somebody independently on podcasting more than I listen to uh, terrestrial radio. You know, so it's, it's avenues to put our material out there. And when it's heard, 
you will find it finds its audience in some way. And then you have to find audience in other ways, too. So you have to be be aggressive about it, be more um, you, you like yourself, like you let people know what you do and you invite people to be a part of it. And that's a part of just growth. And as things go, you know, you have to kind of invite people to to be a part of it. You know? And that's through those through those avenues of YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, radio, all, all those things, you know. Exactly. And so let me just ask for the record, have you taken any formal classes or training or education in storytelling? No, I never have. I never have. I think my education was through reading. So through reading and listening to stories and not just from storytellers. I mean, you you work in a lot of different things. So but I get and if you listen to different artists, it'd be artists who who are architects. And they'll get inspiration from from flowers or they'll look at a flower and they get the inspiration from a flower or they get an inspiration from whatever. You know, so that's the thing with me as storytelling. I get inspiration from I listen to sermons. I listen to comedians. I listen to teachers. I listen to, you know, so I'm listening to all these people who tell stories and I probably get more inspiration from from those people, like my dad, who's just, a, not just, but who's a salesman and a businessman, than I do from a storyteller, you know? And those are the things that I think add to your unique quality when you can, when you can build from other things. So my, my, my uh, learning came through listening and then a lot of reading, a lot of reading. So adding some literary techniques to even my storytelling, which, a person may not know right offhand, but I use like this stories that I've told that are inspired by books, but you don't know it. You just know Less Than Zero was a great book, but I'm telling the story like I read the Less Than Zero book. I forgot the author of that, but that's a big popular book, you know, so I'll do that a lot as well. Yeah. Be inspired by by things that I see inspired by sermons. I tell a story as a sermon and it may not have anything to do with religion or faith, but I'm telling it inspired by a sermon that I heard, you know, because it's going to have that same effect as the sermon, but it's a story. Exactly. Yeah. I see what you're saying. And my question now is let's turn to the the learning curve side of storytelling for a moment. What are some takeaways or don'ts that you learned that you'd like other people to know? One of the biggest don'ts is don't preview or feel like you have to put a, um, what do you call it, a prelude or... or a disclaimer. Yeah, or, disclaimer or, or before you... Or downplay it or make excuses for it. Exactly, before Ugh. you start your story. for your work. Because people do this all Ugh. the time. Yes. They'll say... Okay, I'm going to tell a story, but at the first, um, let me say this. Oh. Uh, you know, uh, this happened a long time ago, and uh, let me say this. <laughs> right, um, right. Uh, this story, I haven't practiced this, oh, so gosh. I really don't know how this is going to go. Just tell the story. Exactly. <laughs> don't go into all these things and set me up that it's going to be terrible because now I'm going to think it's terrible. Now <laughs> we don't want to yeah, listen. Yeah, now I don't want to hear it because you just told me. <laughs> now I'm oh, just... This is going to be really bad, but I just want you guys to, nah, just do it and let it stand there. Exactly. I yeah. feel like when when uh, that happens, you're setting up the audience ready to cringe. 
Yeah, and you're making everybody uncomfortable. You want your you want to put people in a comfortable place. You don't want people to be uncomfortable and make them uncomfortable. And then a lot of times, just that, just that little disclaimer, like you said, disclaimer right before you go up. I don't think you you need it. Well, I know you don't. So leave that. Just leave it be. What it is is fear. Yes. You know, and if you allow fear to creep into everything, so eventually you're gonna have to. Just give up fear. Just let the fear go and just do it. Exactly. And uh, along those lines with fear, sometimes I look at it in the way that you had mentioned earlier when we were talking. You said basically don't fight it. Go with the flow of who you are and be the best you. And in terms of fear, what I coach people to do is to take that fear, personify it, give that fear a name like Harry or George Mm -hmm. or Tina, whatever, Mm -hmm. and put that fear on the shoulder and take that fear with you and do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah feel the fear and do it anyway you know because eventually i mean the fear is always there it's not gone but it's 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 it's, you put it in this place you know many times i go up and i always have a purpose like if i'm telling a story it's purposeful i'm telling this story because it's not because i want you to think i'm just saying pretty words or i'm some great you know this that and other my thing is I have stories on addiction and I'm telling it to the people in the audience and a lot of people deal with addiction and I'm telling it for those people in the audience so they have somebody to relate to, you know, and I'm telling it for that reason. So many times I'll feel fear before I'm going up to tell it, but I'll say this isn't for me, it's for everybody who needs to hear this because I needed to hear it at one point, you know, so so I'm finding that is, is help, helps me deal with fear because I can put fear in this place and be like, yeah, I'm afraid, but it is, somebody needs to hear this. You know, and I, and I, most of my things I'll say from that sense of purpose, me wanting to tell this story about me and my daughter enjoying our day because somebody needs to hear it and somebody needs to know that that's a perfect day. You didn't miss out on anything because you spent time with your, your daughter or your mom or your grandma. You know, you need those days. Those are the days that you're gonna remember most you're not gonna remember running ten thousand errands in a day more than you gonna remember that day sitting on the bench watching your kids play. Yeah, those would be the most joyful memories when you look back at life. And you have this saying or uh, philosophy, which is to record your stories. Yeah, yeah, record. It's so easy now. Technology makes recording ourselves so easy. I have a recorder on my watch. I have a recorder on my phone. I have a recorder everywhere. (laughs) Everything can record something. So I record stories and listen back to myself, tell my stories. If I'm boring myself, then I'm definitely going to bore (laughs) bore other people, you know, so knowing that. But also just documenting, documenting life. I see you do that with the camera. You, I do. You, you Guilty. see things and you <laughs> yes. and you want to capture them in the way that fits for you. You know, for me, it's audio and camera. You know, yes. but more so audio than the uh, than the vid- than the video or or photography. And I I record my parents. I record my daughter. So I have my daughter when she was young. She's nine now and eleven. And I have them when they were were young. I think those moments are just valuable, and you can use them. 
you know, over time, who knows? You may need them for a documentary piece. You may need them for um, a family album type of thing that you want to do for a special occasion. Those are those are, I mean, the gold. Me having an interview with my mom and sitting down talking to my mom <clears throat> for an hour and just discussing her life before me. I won't have my mom. I, I, I hope I'll have her forever. You know, I want to have her forever. Who doesn't? You know, but I can always go back and listen to our conversation. As I even think about it, it chokes me up, you know. So yeah, record, record your life, document things, keep journals, stay, stay, stay in the moment and in, in understanding that each moment has value. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah. Shannon, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for having me, Lee. This is awesome. You can find out more by listening to Shannon Kaysen's Homemade Stories and The Trouble. You can also reach out to Shannon Kaysen across all social media channels by visiting and using the handle at Shannon Kaysen. Hanging out with Shannon was so much fun. And by hanging out, I truly mean hanging out. (laughs) Before we recorded our episode together. And I need to share with you that Shannon is a cool cat. And let me tell you why. He joined me for my never-ending bench duty. You know, I've mentioned that before. It's uh, when you have to sit on the bench and watch your kids uh, play on the playground. They're old enough to uh, play on the playground alone, but uh, not quite old enough to get to the playground by themselves. (laughs) And he sat there for a good half an hour or a little longer until we uh, did changing of the guard. Seriously. So, Shannon, thank you so much for hanging out and doing bench duty with me. And uh, if any of you want to come out and do bench duty with me, please drop me a line houseofleenyc.com. Uh, it's cold here in New York, so not probably not as cold as Chicago or Minnesota. So if you're in town, give me a buzz and let's see if it can work out, squeezing an interview with you. All right. So you can hear actually Shannon on the Practy Mama NYC show, because as you know, he's a father and he shares a tip with us for that. As Shannon mentioned, there is Toastmasters, there are other organizations, open mic nights, and I looked up and found out about something called StorytellersProject.com. You can apply to become a speaker to tell a story. It's not about becoming a speaker to teach something, they say, but it's to tell a story. And so that I thought was really interesting. So when you work up to it, or maybe you're already there, apply to be a speaker as a storyteller somewhere. And then when you do, let me know about it. I, I encourage you and I'm rooting from you over here at my kitchen table. <laughs> If you, this sounds scary but fun and interesting, you, you've got to do it. There's just there's you've just got to do it, and I'm here to tell you you can and you will. So then you'll let me know about it. And I must mention that if you go to creativemornings.com and you click on fun stuff, you will find a tab called field trips. I am leading a field trip on Tuesday, December 11th. I'm giving a free lecture called How to Start a Podcast. So you do have to RSVP. Please, creativemornings.com. Click on that tab on the right, fun stuff. Click on field trips and you'll see how to start a podcast and you'll see me. So join me. 
And if you already know that you want to start a podcast and you want to do it before 2019 or next year, please go to castjobnyc.com and register. I will be teaching along with my other other colleagues how to get started, how to start a podcast, what to do, and you'll walk away with a completed intro. Oh my gosh, it's going to be so much fun. And that is on Saturday, December 15th, 2018. Again, that's castshopnyc.com. Join me. And for shout outs, I'm going to keep it really simple this week and give a shout out to Steve Moore's art. He is a British American award winning artist working with digital media, according to his Instagram profile at Steve Moore's art. He stopped me and the other day we met up and he said, I've been listening to your show. I said, oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. And then he asked me, oh, what other episode should I listen to? And I was like a deer in headlights. It was early in the morning I was, and, I, and I couldn't give him an answer. <laughs> And so, Steve, thank you so much for listening. And that brings me to my next thought, which is Steve did a very interesting thing. He recommended a friend for the show. He said, you know, she's really interesting and I think she'd be a great guest. And so that leads me to tell you that if you or someone you know would be a good fit for the show, because you know you've been listening... you know what I cover, then please do drop me a line at houseoftheNYC.com. I'd love to hear from you and take a look at what you're thinking. And let's see if we can connect. And my New York City hotspot for this week is the holiday markets. They're all around town. The two that I frequent, one is in Union Square uh, near 14th Street, and then the other one is the Columbus Circle Market. And let me tell you why those two are near and dear to me. (laughs) As you know, my husband is German, and so I was introduced a while ago to the idea of the sausage with the, uh, the roll and the sauerkraut, which, I mean, we all as Americans, we have that, but then to have a good one there's this shop called german delights and the guys the 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 team the company they come from germany every year to sell their goods whether it's the bratwurst the knockwurst uh any kind of worst i'm not sure i you know what i don't speak german but uh i look at it i point and i say it like that with the sauerkraut And they sell, what is it, Glühwein and some other German delights. I guess that's why it's called German delights, right? (laughs) So check it out. I think the holiday markets are only open until, what, December 29th or January 2nd or something. You can find out more about them by going to urbanspacenyc.com. That is the organizing body of the holiday markets here in New York City. So I need your opinion. I need you to weigh in on something. Uh, Those of us in the podcasting world are always talking about, do we take a break for the seasonal holidays? Do we do we do we take a vacation? (laughs) Do you think I should take a vacation? Do you think I should stop until the new year? What are your thoughts? Please share them with me. Drop me a line at houseoftheNYC.com or you can actually pick up the phone and call me at 212-655-9840. I'd love to hear your thoughts because I am leaning one way and it would be nice to hear from you to find out mm, if I should lean that way because uh, I'm, I'm pretty open to it, but it would be nice to hear some feedback. 
I didn't know this, but according to a November 2017 psychologytoday.com article, uh, there uh, people, 25% of people report that they have a fear of public speaking. And I also learned that the correct term or the formal term rather for fear of public speaking is called glossophobia. I didn't know that. And I just would love for people, maybe you are afraid to speak in public, but I have to tell you, storytelling is one way to start that journey because a story is something that comes from yourself, something you already know. And so I encourage you to get out there, use Shannon's tips and then let me know, let me know how successful you were. And you know what? The first time is always rough. But once you've got that first one under your belt, you can do another and another. So please share yourself with others. That is your challenge from the House of the NYC. Thank you so much for stopping by. Take care and we'll talk soon. Bye-bye.